Hello, Pastor Matt here. At New Life Baptist Church, we are pleased to be able to make these resources available to the public. Our desire is that these online resources or any other resources you find online would never be used to replace you joyfully belonging to a local church body, but rather that they would be supplemental for your walk with Christ. I pray that through this sermon, the word of the living God would stir your affections for Christ, strengthen your commitment to him, and broaden your understanding of who he is. At church, in your car, we have smartphones, we have the word of God that's so readily available. We can build ourselves up daily, not just on a Sunday. But especially here, especially under solid biblical preaching and teaching. Peter said in 1 Peter 2 2, as newborn babes, we're to desire the pure milk of the word. Why? That we may grow thereby. And pray to God that we can grow. Secondly, we're called to pray in the Holy Spirit. What is it? Anytime someone talks about finding their prayer language, I chuckle to myself and I say, yeah, me too, my English. Okay? This isn't praying in tongues. This isn't glossolalia. This isn't I wish I bought a Honda, but I bought a Mazda. Ha, ha, ha. But we hear that all day long. It's not going to Okay? I believe Matthew Henry put it well. He said to pray in the Holy Spirit is to pray under His guidance and influence according to the rule of His Word with faith, fervency, and earnestness. Let's pray in the Holy Spirit. Charles Spurgeon, that great London preacher, was asked, what's more important, praying or reading the Bible? He didn't respond to what's more important, breathing in or breathing out. John Piper referred to prayer as the, the breathing of a Christian. We cannot live in our physical bodies without breathing in much the same way in prayer. Beloved, prayer is a gift that is given by God to enable us to commune with God. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit is given to us by God, unlike the false teachers who were devoid of the Spirit and praying to be the God of Third, we're called to keep ourselves in the love of God. That's a statement. Little Jude, one chapter, that's a big punch. Keep yourselves in the love of God. What does this mean? Now, this isn't keep yourself saved. I'll tell you that. Verse 1 speaks to us who are kept or preserved in Christ Jesus. We know that nothing can separate the true believer from the love of God that is in Christ. So what does it mean to keep yourself in the love of God? Because that sounds rather important. Keep yourself in the love of God. John 15, 9 and 10, listen to this. Jesus said, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Listen to this. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. There it is. And you keep yourself in the love of God? Keep his commandments. You abide in his love? Jesus said, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love, So what happens when we fail to keep his commandments? Do we lose our salvation? Some would say we do. What does the word of God say? Hebrews 12, 6 to 8 says, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every suit son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But of whom you were without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate, not sons. 
We step out of line, the Lord disciplines us, right? And that's a good thing. God deals with us now to make us holy. He does not deal with the false teachers in the world. And that's what's crazy. Okay? Some people, they stumble with why, why, how can the Bible say that God loved Jacob and he hated Esau? In what way did God love Jacob and he hated Esau? You think about it, he let Esau alone. He let Esau go on his way. That's hatred. When a father hates their children, he lets them get away with murder. Right? He lets them go on. Since their judgment is, is coming, there's a day when God will judge them, but right now, the proof that God loves you is that you, you can't sin and get away with it. And that's reason to praise the Lord. Because He gets us, He slaps us around, He gets us back in line. And that's a good thing. And fourthly, He calls us to look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Beloved, that is our blessed hope. And Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Jesus is coming back to receive us to himself, and that is reason to praise him. The last three, we find it there in verse 22 and 23, it says, We are called to be compassionate to those who have been deceived. We should do all we can to keep, the, keep others from the day of judgment. Right? We should be actively in God's work of, of bringing others to himself. We cannot be trivial with the sin our Lord Jesus Christ had to give his own life for so that we may be cleansed, even to the point of hating the very garments to follow the flesh. Either in our lives or the lives of those who we're trying to snatch out of the fire. You think about that when you try to bring someone to Christ, like I'm trying to snatch you out of the fire. It's not possible. We don't want to hear that. But that's the reality. When we try to tell someone about the Lord Jesus Christ, we're trying to snatch them out of the fire. And the Word of God says to hate even the garments defiled by the flesh. Hey, hate sin. Love righteousness. That's what God has called us to do. And that's either in our lives or the lives of those who are snatched out of the fire. Repentance from sin is the hallmark of followers of Christ. Not the garments that we hear today of Jesus. Not even capitalize Jesus in mind. No, it's going to Jesus, who's not the real Jesus, but it's a Jesus that's just so loving, accepting, and then there's no call for repentance, there's no call for killing the sin. And you know what? Jesus just, just wants to accept you and just come on in, and we just love you so much. And you know what? If you're homosexual, gay, or whatever, you know what? We're going we're gonna to make you a preacher. No, that's not Jesus. And praise be to God that we have the word of God that teaches us otherwise. Furthermore, Praise be to God that his mission to save the lost is still at play. Right? God is still saving people. It's not over with yet. There's still a chance for you if you're here today and you don't know the Lord. It's not over. The Lord needs calling us to be a part of it. He's appointed us to go and to make disciples of all nations. We're to be a part of his work because he's saving God. Give this great thought solace when you 
No, Christ is able to keep us from falling away. He's able to preserve us. As Paul was confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. He will complete it. Jesus said in John 10, 27-30, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I am not the one. Look, that is the truth. Do you believe in one second? No one is You better believe it. Because of truth. He's also able to present us to the Father blameless or faultless. Does your indwelling sin bother you? As a believer? Or if you're not believing, does your sin bother you? Do your past failures, do they haunt you? I recently had a conversation with a woman who she was haunted by something that she didn't do. Some, another female actually made a pass at her and she didn't know what to do. She froze up. She sat there. She did nothing. And it haunted her. It haunted her. She said, what do you think the Lord is going to take me on that day? Because I didn't do anything. You know what I'm saying? I say what I say to you right now. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For he was afraid to look upon God. 
Remember Isaiah's response when he saw the Lord high lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple? Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. It says the post of the door were shaken by his voice of him who cried out, and the whole house was filled with smoke. Is Isaiah's response. So I said, Woe is me. He pronounces a curse on himself. We don't talk that way today. But he said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That was not exceeding joy. It's really the same way when Jesus came and manifested his glory. Remember when the disciples, several seasoned fishermen, they were in the boat and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into that boat. Jesus was asleep on the pillow and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? I thought they were going to die. And Jesus rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, Christ. Remember Mark 444, and they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Thanks to Haley, who wasn't the same in Psalm 107, says that's the rule. That's Paul wrote in Mastin, when he was confronted by the Lord, the scripture said he was trembling and astonished. He was blind for three days after he saw a glimpse of the Lord. But what about the Apostle Paul, Apostle John in the Revelation? Look with me in Revelation chapter 1. We're right there. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. God says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on an island that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit of the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and then returned. I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with the garment, down to the feet, girded about the chest with the golden band. His head and hair were like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refining a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. That's the response to see the word of God. God was teaching us that there's a day coming that we're going to see the Lord, and it's going to be with exceeding great joy. Praise be to God that there is a day coming. The saints of God, those who have been born of the Holy Spirit, those whom Jesus spoke, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And when they will be Jude continues the doxology, look at verse 25. He says, To God our Savior, who alone is wise, depending on your translation and the manuscripts they use, it may say, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And either way, we see the preeminent one, the only true and living God, the one who towers above all others, the one who created all things, the only most excellent one above all thrones. 
powers and principalities, the one who is before all things, the head of the church, the absolute sovereign king, the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, the only Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, the one to whom all things will bow. That's who we see. That's who we look forward to. And know that it's not either or. It's both and, Savior and we. The one who saves us and the one to whom we obey is the Savior. You can't have it. Or have you want it? Oh, yeah, you can say it. You don't take it all seriously. You know, I don't believe really the Bible's true, but yeah, I believe in Jesus. No. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. But he says that this would be good. And long before the Protestant Reformation, Long before Martin Luther and John Calvin, Zwingli, Jude said, Sola Deo Gloria. He said, To God alone be glory. And what is glory? According to Romans 3.23, it's what we fall short of. To give God glory is to give Him praise, to have a high opinion of, to honor, to renown, and especially divine quality, the unspoken manifestation of God, His splendor. The Old Testament word for glory is kabo. It speaks of his heaviness, his weightiness. Too heavy to be weighed. Too heavy to be explained by me. All we can do is scratch the surface, but know this. Concerning the New Jerusalem in Revelation 21-23, it says, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God is its light and its lamp is the Lamb. The Lord Jesus Christ. Do said to God, be the glory. Let's look at the rest of the pomp. that word you use every day? Jude attributed to the Lord pomp. It's not a word that we use every day, but pomp is the splendid display, the splendor, the magnificence. He says to God, be majesty. Speaking of his greatness, or mega greatness, if you will. The only other time this word is closely used in Scripture is Hebrews 1.3, speaking of Christ who being the brightness of his glory and expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. And then we say, like Paul, God forbid that I should boast except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that your boast today? Is that your boast today? Are you boasting in your own goodness? I have talked to people that boast in the fact that, that they think that that God, that God's going to be okay with them because they take care of cats. Well, God sees how I'm taking care of these cats. I know who he's happy. God sees that I treat everybody with, with dignity. And you know, I don't know I'm not perfect, but I think, I think God's going to accept me. That's, that's trusting in their own righteousness. That's not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that you today? Is that you today? I mean, most of you. Next, he says to God, be dominion. He speaks of God's might, God's strength. Teaching in the work of redemption. Paul is burdened to let us know in Ephesians 1, 19 to 21. He says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us to believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, for of all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, to God be the dominion. Yet some folks don't have eternal security. Oh, I don't know. I, I, 
I don't know. Stop trusting in, in your own strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Finally, we've seen that to God not long be the glory, the majesty, the, the dominion, but now also the authority. My new King James says the power, which is accurate, but the context here in the word used speaks of Christ's power of rule or government. Just as Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, after the resurrection from the dead, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Isn't that what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order and establish his judgment, judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God. It is authority. Revelation 1.5, speaking of Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. You might say, oh yeah, but that's in that millennial reign, right? Beloved, Christ is ruling and reigning now. So well, how do I look at the end of 25? The new brother King James says, both now and forever, amen, which is weak. And you look at the original. It says, to the Lord of us be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now, and to all the ages. Amen. Before all time, that's the past. The Lord was all this before time began. Before the Lord spoke the world into existence, God was all this. Our God, who is from everlasting to everlasting, has always been full of glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. What about now? Coming out of the pandemic, is he still is? Even when the store shelves are low, is he still this? When he can't find toilet paper because people are hoarding it, is he still this? Someone hacks the pipeline and can't get gas on the East Coast, is he still this? What about tomorrow? What about next year? What about when the next presidential election? What about the next time Israel's at war and we start, oh no, Israel's surrounded, oh no, they're going to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Is this still Christ? Is this still God Almighty? Beloved, our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. And these are all important things that I just listed there, but they're trivial. They're really trivial. Jude is describing these attributes to the triune God because of salvation and His ability to preserve us for eternal life. Do you know that? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? The one who came and lived a perfect life, crying of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life apart from sin. The sin that we love, He didn't. God's law that we break, He did not. Not even once, ever. The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Have you ever loved God in that way ever for a moment, ever? Christ did. And if we have it, God says we're a sinner, we have you ever loved your neighbor as you love yourself? Christ did. We love ourselves. Most of us are idolaters because we worship ourselves as God. I know I can attest to that before the Lord God with me. But Jesus Christ was not that way. He fulfilled all righteousness and He became that sin substitute on our behalf of those who would put their faith in their 
our trust in Him, do you know Him? Jesus went to the cross, He bled, He died, and three days later He rose from the grave victoriously. He was seen by over 500 men, and then He ascended to the right hand of the Father, and He's coming back, and judgment is sure, and it's coming. We're closer now than we've ever been. Do you know this, Lord? Can you say with Judah, to Him be the glory, the dominion, and the authority, the majesty, both now forever, amen, is that your God? sins. I command you by the authority of the word of God to repent, kids, and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop trusting in your own righteousness. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And then you can say with Jew, darkness, hellfire is not reserved for me forever. I'm going to be with the Lord someday. In conclusion, contend earnestly for the faith. Stay in the Word of God. Read it. Feed on it. More importantly than knowing it is within. Pray always with all prayer and supplication with thanksgiving in the Spirit. Pray until you pray. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Keep looking for Christ's return. Jesus said, Blessed are those servants whom the Master, when He comes, will find watching. See what will find us watching? He's going to come and find us ready, willing, and able, busy about good works, serving Him. Is He going to find us in that way? Or are we building our own kingdom, doing our own thing? Giving, giving the Lord our little 10% and saying hallelujah. I know I've been guilty of it, but you know what? Today is a new day. Today is a new day, and His mercies are new every morning. And you can get serious about your relationship with the Lord today. And praise God for that. He is that merciful of God. We are call to be compassionate to those in error and those who need Christ. But at the end of the day, we rest our blessed assurance on Him who is And we praise Him forever and ever. We're going to close as we always do with a song. And this is your time. The Lord is dealing with you. And, and you don't want Him to cry out to Him where you're at. The Lord is dealing with your heart. You know it. I ask you to stand and to sing.